0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audio.dharma.org.
1: Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato harahato sammasa tamang sanghang namasami.
0: I haven't been um, home where I live in about a month, maybe longer. Tonight, after this, I'll go home. Oh, in Los Altos. I, I live in the same house as Bill and Andrea. It's called One Heart Center. And so it's, about a twenty-minute drive from here, I guess. I'd really like to know all of your names, since we have a small group. Michelle,
2: Michelle,
0: VJ, Vijay. Dave. Dave. Dave, Liz, Lauren, Liz. Liz. Lauren, yeah. and Andrea's coming over. tell you a little bit about my adventures because I think they're so relevant to the Dhamma and to all of our lives now. Um, I just came back from a a gathering called a Western Buddhist Monastic Gathering and it was basically four days of being in the presence of about 60 exceptional people. (laughs) Uh, All monks and nuns. And it was in Sacramento at a place called City of Dharma Realm. City of the Dharma Realm. You know, Chinese monastery, convent actually, where about 20 nuns live. And they were so lovely. What lovely, kind, generous gentle women and this monastic gathering is monks buddhist monks and nuns of all different traditions coming together and we talk about what it means to be developing buddhist monasticism in the west because we're kind of in the frontier in the bush here in this part of the world and we had a, a, a wonderful few days of getting to know each other, Tibetan monks and nuns and um, Mahayana, Zen, um, and Chinese, uh, Theravadan, which is this tradition from different places, Burma. Sri Lanka. I mean, they're Westerners or they're um, Asians who have have come to the West to establish monasteries or have been in the West maybe a long time. That was that was very enriching, and it was a really good dose of dhamma. We had a couple of. Presentations that were from the suttas, from the scriptures, relative to building community. that was the theme this year. What it's, what are the, the joys and the sorrows and the challenges and the benefits. It was, it was really rich. Before that, I was in New York, staying at a monastery, a Chinese monastery where Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi lives. How many people are familiar with his name? Yeah. He translated a lot of the scriptures that we use from the Pali language, the ancient Pali language, some of which you just chanted or heard chanted, into English. And for many of us, myself very much included we have tremendous gratitude to him. I wouldn't have nearly the access to the Buddha's words that I do and an understanding or an opportunity to to delve into that that I have if it weren't for his work. So there's great gratitude. And I went to stay there so that I could help him with some things and it was a very lovely opportunity to spend almost a month there with him. One of the things that he's been doing is he started uh, the non-profit organization called Buddhist Global Relief. How many people have heard of it? And some of you may know that we recently organized a walk to Feed the Hungry here in the Bay Area, which turned out to be a wonderful experience. We didn't have any idea what would come of it because we had a very short... We didn't know this um, fundraising effort was going to be happening. And when we found out, we only had about three weeks to get this event put together. So we thought, oh, you know, maybe handful of people will join us and we'll go for a walk and uh, it turned out to be a couple hundred people and there were some you know very generous donations over thirty thousand dollars for buddhist global relief and it's a wonderful organization that is focused on providing food aid but not just food but giving people the means to Develop greater food security. So, helping with maybe farming tools and seeds, and and providing people with uh, what's necessary to create a community garden that they can raise organic food and feed a village. This kind of thing, and 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 other projects that are just touch the heart and so i think many people's hearts were touched and they got involved and it was a very lovely day so that's one of the things that he's doing and and another thing that he's doing is is he's taken a real interest in what's happening globally now um to the planet, to the environment, and also to our culture and and civilization. So while I was there, he invited um, me, and I should also mention my son was also there. My son is a monk. He's been a monk for 12 years. And so the two of us were there, and we both accompanied Venerable Bodhi to Washington, D.C., to the... It was called the October 2011 protest, protest on Freedom Plaza. He was invited to attend, and we were very interested in what kind of spiritual leadership might be involved in this protest and, and hopefully lending as much support in that direction as we could. And it was a very interesting experience to be there and part of what was interesting, as you probably know from seeing the news, that even though this event had been planned for six or eight months in advance, about three days before it happened, it, it's scheduled happening, Wall Street, uh, Occupy Wall Street happened very spontaneously. And that led to uh, kind of... A, A, different, a, a little different flavor, but the same kind of thing. It's, we, it was really led to a lot more enthusiasm, I think. Was the protest? You want to That's a very good question. I don't know if you've heard any of this in the news, but there are now, I understand, 900 different cities where people are out protesting and doing something under the label of Occupy. And fundamentally, it's people being concerned, very concerned, about a number of issues. In fact, the I have my little the little list here from the Occupy DC movement, part of the movement, the DC part of the movement. There are fifteen things that they've identified that they've been now day by day discussing these topics. And I'm just going to read them out. I don't think they're in any kind of order of priority, but this this is what people are concerned over. Corporation, which, corporatism, so corporations being given the power and the the rights of an individual and the kind of power and the ability to grow globally and trade globally and what that's meant to bringing the money, the wealth, so much wealth into the hands of a very few. Two, wars and militarism. Three, human rights. Four, worker rights and jobs. Government, elections, criminal justice and prisons. Healthcare, education, housing, environment, finance and the economy, media, food and water, and transportation. So, what was interesting about being there and seeing the different groups and the different people and the different concerns was that you could start to see how they were all interrelated. You'd see a sign that's like planet before profits, and you'd see another sign, you know, about wanting to end the wars and to bring the money back into our social services and into ensuring health care. And, you know, so many, many social concerns and, and environmental concerns and humanitarian concerns. So we spent three or four days in DC and we had also the great opportunities. This was right right down by the by the the mall by very close to the White House, very close to the Capitol building. And we walked to the Jefferson Memorial and the Lincoln Memorial and the Martin Luther new Martin Luther King Memorial. And the um Franklin Delano Roosevelt Memorial and what was so interesting because these those two in particular Martin Luther King and and Franklin Roosevelt is that they these memori- they are beautiful memorials and they're laid out if you've never been there to see them with a lot of quotes carved in the in the stone that these that these men have said and they were so inspiring, and if you if you took those quotes and went over to Freedom Plaza and got up on the, the stage and read them, it would be everything that we are we are wishing to do. Um, talking about the social injustice and and the horror of war, and you know just just all of it's all of it's there, right? So I I found that inspiring and sobering and interesting. And then, um, a couple weeks later, Venerable Bodhi was invited to Wall Street, Occupy Wall Street, to a press conference for spiritual leaders. And it was an interfaith gathering. And, uh, Again, he invited me to come along and we went. And again, I found it inspiring what priests and ministers and chaplains and rabbis and yeah, um, Islamic leaders... And and Venerable Bodhi was invited to give the opening blessing for this event. And then we got interviewed separately a few times by different um, news people. One of the things that was very powerful was that it started to crystallize that all the concerns that we have and and it's huge. There's something really rapidly changing on our entire planet and, and it needs to be changing. But all the concerns really start to come down to kind of one basic issue. If you were, what do you think? I mean, would you like to try to... to what do you think it is? <laughs> this isn't meant to be a quiz. <clears throat> yes, it certainly is. I mean, peace is part of it. I guess it's, it's like there's, there's all these parts. When you look at the root, it's, um, it's not a political issue really it's not an econ- i mean it is but it, beyond that not a political issue it's not a partisan issue it's it's not an, an even an environmental issue or an economic issue it really is a moral issue and that was what was so i think helpful for me and in part that became clear because oftentimes monks and nuns are Expected to not get involved at all in this kind of thing, like it's not really okay to be seen at events like this. But I really agree with um, Bonte Bodhi that it's important that we are seen at things like this, and not only seen, but participating from the perspective of encouraging people to, to make this change in a nonviolent way. And to really look deeper than any single issue or even any collection of issues to the real underlying problem, which is greed, hatred, and delusion. A couple of years ago, I accompanied. Um, Ajahn Ananda Bodhi to Thailand to the Global Recovery Conference in Bangkok. And I heard monk after monk talk from the podium about how the problems were really greed and we need to stop the greed and I thought hasn't somebody been saying this for like a few thousand years and What's different about this message now that's going to make it change? And what's different about these times? Because I really get the sense it's fundamentally different now. And what I think it is, and this is this was kind of coming out of conversations with, with Bhante Bodhi that, <clears throat> so it's not just my idea, but what I think is starting to to become apparent is the Western capitalist military approach that sort of modern industrialized culture has taken isn't just dealing with or combating or challenged by greed, hatred, and delusion. It's developed an ability to capitalize on it and cultivate it and expand upon it. I mean, if you look at how we're encouraged to follow our greed and desires, how we're encouraged to develop our desires, how we're encouraged to feel entitled to satisfying our desires, you can start to see that a lot of emphasis is placed on our basic tendencies towards greed. I think we can find the same kind of thing around hatred with these persistent wars. And delusion, as we are kind of anesthetized by the media delivering these very sensory-intensive but kind of mollifying um, broadcasts and all the uh, enormous amounts of information coming in our direction. So... So the, the Buddha identified these roots of suffering and somehow we've developed these systems and a very complex web of entities that are kind of growing this stuff. That's how it seems to me. Right? But as on an individual level, that's not what we want. None of us wants to be part of the kind of mass exploitation that's happening where you know there's a billion people living in such severe poverty that many of them can't do anything. There's nothing they can do to be able to procure enough food just for their basic needs or their family's needs. That's pretty horrendous. I mean, I don't know how to even imagine that not only do you not have the money, but there's no amount of work you could do or no amount of anything you could trade or anything that you could do to feed your family. And at some level, I think we all have the sense that we should be able to at least guarantee that every person is has the basic food, basic amount, enough, and fresh water. So when they talk here about, I mean, you look this up on the internet and you can see the description of these things. So food and water, it just means that every human being should have the right to sufficient food and water. It doesn't have to be the most fancy or anything like that, but the basic, enough, just enough to sustain the body and mind. So so we take refuge in the Buddha and the Dhamma and the Sangha. We take refuge in those teachings that tell us we have to stand up against greed, hatred, and delusion. Everywhere that we find it, in our own minds, in our own hearts and any place else. Right? So what does that mean right now? How do we sustain ourselves and how do we extricate ourselves from these systems of corruption? Because it's you know, it's not just that there are big corporations and they're um, exploiting labor, and there and there's the the wars and all of that, but there's also the the government system has gone awry with uh, the huge the funding coming from corporations, and the media has gone awry, you know, and so. What's so fascinating is you just go to like this occupy wherever and talk to people and they all are saying the same things. We all get it. Really? Now what do you do? Well there are there are concrete things that we can do. We can pull our money out of the big banks and put them in the credit unions. I think it's a great idea. We can push for various kinds of political changes and and it's not going to happen unless there really are there really is a huge uh, uprising, a swell of public interest. And in that process so I mean, here I am. I'm a nun, you know. I'm really first and foremost, committed to living according to the Buddha Dhamma. And what I see is, it would be irresponsible of me to not talk about these things and myself to show up and to encourage everyone to show up and support the kind of change that needs to be made and to do that full of love, completely pervaded by, soaked in, steeped in love for everyone, the 99% and the 1%, with laser sharpness in our minds about what's right and what's not right. And to not go along with what's not right. So what does that mean on a daily basis? Making significant changes in our own lives that may mean we don't get the best deal or we don't have everything we want. As soon as you start talking about not having everything we want, there's this, uh, (laughs) ugh. I don't mean it quite like that we all know, we're all old enough to know we don't get what we want anyway. But, you know, the, as soon as, when we have, whatever we have, whatever we're used to having, if we start to feel like somebody's going to take it away or we have to give it up, there's this chill, there's this freeze, there's this fear that comes. And I know this for myself, even though I've voluntarily given up lots of things, and you probably have too. Um, but when when it's not in my control and I feel like I'm going to lose something that I have, then there's there's this um, contraction, I think. And, I, and what I've learned is that's just natural. And what I've also learned is I can do with a whole lot less. I can do just fine and be very happy with a whole lot less. And you might ask, well, if I don't have as much, um, does that really help? <laughs> and I'm not talking about um, I'm not talking about reducing to a place where we're without the basic needs. But for a long time before I became a nun, especially when my son became a monk, I was really in the process of asking the question, what do we really need? What does it mean to go down to like the basics? And I was so grateful to see what the Buddha said, monks and nuns need, which means it's what everybody needs. There's only four requisites. Material, on the material level. Sufficient food, which for monks and nuns means you walk with your alms bowl and you eat what you're given sufficient clothing which I mean this 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 is this is what I wear every day <laughs> and um what a blessing that is let me tell you oh, you know you don't have to wash it every day. If it smells or looks dirty, you can wash it. <laughs> uh, saves a lot of water. Saves a lot of detergent. Um, I've lived in monasteries where it's not the best smelling, <laughs> but it's okay. You know, it's just the body. Um, <clears throat> so we don't we don't need so much. Uh, As we're kind of being continually being told, we need food, clothing, shelter. Living in this part of the country, I don't know if there's a simple way to have shelter. (laughs) It's pretty expensive. But we can do what we can on that front. And medicine. And I mean, for monks and nuns, uh, the Buddha said, you know, the root of a tree is good enough shelter. If you don't have anything else, nothing else is offered. That's good enough. That's a little hard in this society because you can't really stay at the root of a tree without getting into some kind of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) What?
2: In India, it's okay if it's not monsoon
0: season. Yeah, Yes. (laughs) And and basic medicine, which in what the Buddha said that the monks and nuns could have was this very, very natural substance called fermented urine. (laughs) And there are lots of natural ways to heal now. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, as a society, try to provide people with basic insurance coverage, basic health care. I think that's only decent. But the point being, if fear arises or discomfort arises or that contraction arises around not being able to have exactly the kind of coffee we want or being able to go buy every book we want or any... I mean, I'm not saying you're doing all this, but just pick whatever it is, whatever it is, and then just acknowledge that there's something so much more important that we can turn to, so much more important. And what is that? When we give to others... Like when we did this Walk for the Hungry, people were so happy. We were doing it together. There was so much love. There was so much kindness and generosity. And the generosity was going towards people who really need it, you know, administered by an organization that's all volunteer, that makes every effort to keep the overhead as low as absolutely possible, so the money just goes right to the people who need it as much as it can. You know, that, that feeds the heart in a beautiful way. And things like, you know, walking around Occupy Wall Street. Oh, what a zoo. What an amazing experience. <laughs> and, and people, you know, in general, gentle, gentle, and consider it, and you know they've got their tar- their plastic things they sleeping and you know, just eating and sleeping and being there and talking um, bringing our hearts full of love to everything, to this change to this to this wounded world and to be able to hold in our hearts the triple gem so that we have that strength. It's not like we have to pour it out of our own like limited reserve because when we when we touch into that root of the Buddha Dharma, it's an unlimited expanse. And we are obliged, really. Um, I don't know if that helps. But whatever helps to motivate us to to practice, to to ground ourselves, to meditate, to clear the mind, to... Talk to who you need to talk to, to to not get caught up in the trivia of life. To recognize that that little irritation, that's nothing. Put it into context. And come, come to the whole mess with a lot of compassion. Because whatever happens, you know, the next tsunami or earthquake or, you know, I've often wondered what's the difference between my personal, whether it's a heart attack or a stroke or a aneurysm or a cancer or whatever it is, something's going to happen to this body. At some point, it's going down. That's just inevitable. What's the difference between that kind of like everything's over for this go-round and there's everything's over for the planet? Well, one big difference is there's a whole lot of suffering, and the suffering is, is increasing, right? So I feel like the more we can ground ourselves in the love, the compassion, the wisdom of the Buddha Dharma and bring that to every situation and bring that to the situation of the world and bring that sense of peace and caring to all all of this unrest and all of this dissatisfaction, which I think is absolutely essential. The more we can invigorate ourselves and develop in our practice. There's no like super highway route to enlightenment that bypasses all of this mess. Whether it's the mess in my own mind from wounds that haven't been healed, or habits that I haven't dealt with yet, or it's the mess that's in our rivers and our oceans and our forests and our soils and our you know chemicals and you know, all that are a mess in our culture and our societies what's needed is that healing and that healing comes from love and so it's it's like can we continue to keep coming back to what the Buddha taught you know may everyone abide in well-being not just something that we repeat when we're sitting on the cushion not something that we're just like make a good feeling inside we need that good feeling inside and we can choose it but then to take it out into the world and share it with all the clarity and earnestness and direct action that we can muster I'm going to stop there, but I want to hear anything you'd like to say.
2: And if there are questions, um, uh, we should use the microphone uh, so that it it gets picked up into the the, uh, recording for Audio audio Dharma. If any. Thank you for um connecting what's happening around with those um three what are they greed hatred, and delusion three word is there a name for it yeah defilements again? is defilements, often the word yeah, that they use definitely that was useful um, i mean, I haven't heard it elsewhere just for me that connecting it to what's happening now um and uh, I'm glad uh, Bante Bodhi has gotten on to action as well. I'm one of his supporters for the BGR effort. Mm-hmm. But this is one step further. I haven't been following lately. So I'm thinking, oh, go, go home and see what's happening. Thank you.
0: Hi. Hi, Michelle. Your background may also be unique to understanding some of the things that are happening. My understanding is you have a background in technology. And I think one of the things that's different that's happening is the technology for people around the world to connect. And to see in real time what's been happening to our world, what's been happening to our environment, our humanity. So, could you please comment from your perspective, from both being a nun as well as your background in technology? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a powerful set of tools, and the way people are using the social media, as you've seen, is it's you know brought down governments um, and. To use that for good, to use that to, which is what it feels like to me. I mean, uh, Paul Hawken in uh, Blessed Unrest, if you've heard of that book, he he relates what's happening worldwide to a system under the attack of disease and how the white blood cells and the, the defenses are just, springing up all through the body of this earth and planet and humanity and the social media the technology is affording us the way to to know about this so it means that the traditional mainstream media that are really so influenced by the power elite or the the big money, the big corporate, you know, they are big corporations that are invested in keeping things going in the way they are going, the business as usual. Uh, There's a way around them, which is really helpful. And so this is powerful. And even just to hear you. So what's fascinating to me is the way you articulated that and what you're experiencing. I didn't hear people talking like that Not that long ago. Then meeting in groups like this, it was much more of kind of the uh, blank stares months ago or a year ago or, you know? And I think that the change is that more and more people are becoming aware and waking up to what's happening and more and more able to really look it in the eye. What is happening I want to know what's happening. I don't want to just kind of block it out because I have so much going on And realizing. So that's one level. Um, From the perspective of being a nun, uh, it's true, but we can all do this. I mean, part of it is, the more we practice renunciation, the more we realize that we become freer and freer as we practice renunciation and renunciation, just to be clear is, is the choosing to give up or to let go of something. And one way to think of it is in, in, in place of getting something better. (laughs) So, so in the time of the Buddha, the monks would talk about renunciation. Renunciation uh, is, 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 letting things drop away, letting go of them. And renunciation, renouncing the, the home life, picking up the holy life, picking up the life of being a mendicant or a wanderer, kind of at the lowest rung of the social ladder, but you're letting go of power and status and name and prestige. And for many of those people, servants and wealth and you know but what did they get they got this inspiration of immersing themselves in holy practice and not having to worry about you know what's happening with the goats or the gold or the (laughs) whatever right and so um renunciation as as i can see it possible to practice it for all of us is to just take anything that we feel we can't do without and that it would be okay healthy to do without it maybe even healthier and decide I'm gonna do without that for a particular period of time I'm gonna you know stop I mean we I mentioned earlier Sometimes people don't want to give up a drink of alcohol, you know, and this kind of thing. But you can, you can give that up for some period of time and try that out. I would recommend the rest of your life, but just. <laughs> um, but even even things like habits. You know, if it's my habit to go in the house and switch the TV on, like that's what I do every day when I come home from work what if I don't do that? What if I say, for a week, I'm not doing that. TV's not going on. Or whatever it is. Then it's amazing what happens inside. Sometimes there's a whole bunch of anxiety that arises. Sometimes there's, I mean, you can imagine. And then you just ride it. You ride those feelings out until they diminish and then you realize, wow, I really don't need a Starbucks every morning. Or I really don't need, you know, whatever, just, just pick whatever it is. I can do without that. The more things that I've found, like, it was really, really wonderful staying in monasteries in Thailand, especially the really sort of basic primitive ones where, you know, I... Found out I I didn't need a towel. I didn't need hot water. I didn't need to have a bed. I didn't need to have a blanket. I didn't need to have. Now the climate helps, you know. We weren't out in the snow, but but you get this. You get the picture. We're so worried about not having things the way we're used to having them, and the more we get used to having things. Uh, not the way we're used to having them, (laughs) Uh, the more versatile we are and the more freer we are and the less afraid we are. So I think that comes from being a nun. And I think faith, developing our faith, and I'm not talking about blind faith in the power of some being somewhere to make it all Okay. But that thing that right at the beginning some of you were here and some of you weren't and I I mentioned as we were going into meditation about faith in the, the good actions that we do. Faith in our good karma. That's one thing we can have faith in. I was always worried about the bad things I did. <laughs> the bad karma. <laughs> Worrying about that showing up and... And of course, you know, it's useful to realize that we set things in motion and then they they come round and or they may when the conditions are right and but to but to realize that the more the more good we do, the more wholesome thoughts, wholesome words, wholesome actions, the more we try to help, the more we're available to feedback, the more we listen to people, the more we develop compassion in our hearts, the more we resist greed, the more we resist irritation, anger, hatred, completely letting go of ill will, any, and any inclination to want to harm someone, is completely just set aside, catch that right away. Any inclination to want to do something so that we look better, so that somebody's going to notice us or we're going to gain something, try to just nip that right in the bud and just give and love and keep coming back to the wisdom of the Buddha. So I think that, so then. Then the more we practice precepts, the more we develop our our wisdom faculty, the more we practice meditation and the calm and the clarity become deeper, the more our faith can develop. The more we study the suttas, this is so important. I mean I didn't I didn't, you know, pull out any scripture references in this evening, but reading what the Buddha taught is, is so important and so refreshing, and like I said in the beginning, memorizing pieces of it so you can carry it with you. The more we direct our minds in these ways, the more, and the more we really dig into the pieces of what the Buddha taught that we don't understand yet, and we develop an understanding, the, the more our faith develops. And I think that that's an enormous help to just be able to be with whatever is happening at whatever magnitude. Um, what time do you teach or do you have your... I, I do. Um, it's not a very consistent schedule. <laughs> I'm gonna be starting a series at Berkeley Buddhist Monastery soon, and it's going to be probably on Tuesday evenings. It's not quite set up yet, we'll see. And it's going to be um, applying the Dhamma to sort of the current modern issues so that's one thing that's going to be happening and I tend to whenever possible accept invitations to teach wherever people are interested.
1: I I I I'm so touched today. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, bless your good heart. Just touching the heart we can do anytime. Our own and from that, everyone around us. And there's a lot of healing that needs to be done. And we can do it. Especially if we help each other. And work together. So it's about five after nine, so I think it's time to close. So let's do a little chant.
1: I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with loving kindness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth. So above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself. I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a heart imbued with loving-kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. I will abide pervading one-quarter with a heart imbued with compassion. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself. I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a heart imbued with compassion, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with gladness, likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth. So above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world, with a heart imbued with gladness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with equanimity, likewise the second, likewise the third, Likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a heart imbued with equanimity, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will.
2: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.